Who's to say how far Euphoria star Jacob Elodie will go? The 24-year-old Australian actor is already one of the standout talents of his generation. His roles are carefully chosen. They're complex and nuanced. But while these roles are difficult to play, they're even harder to shake. How do you detach yourself from a performance to explore other characters or roles? How do you stay true to yourself? How do you consistently choose the right parts? These are questions that actor Patrick Dempsey understands well. He uses all of his experience and know-how to play the iconic roles we all remember him for. There's a sweet resemblance between Jacob and Patrick that pushed me to interview them together. They're both big fans of motorsport. In fact, Patrick is also a racing driver. So we found the perfect setting to record this podcast, the 2022 Monaco Grand Prix. I wanted to go back to the beginning to understand the moment when they fell in love with cinema and the moment that inspired them to get in front of the camera. I'm your host, Theo van den Bruecker. This is The Edge, a podcast by Tag Heuer. Let's start with Jacob. I think, uh, I think it started at Blockbuster Video for me. My uh, mother and father would take us on Fridays because they had deals you could get. Uh, I think you could get one or two new to weekly, which was a new release DVD, and five just regular weekly rentals. So we would go get the Friday deals. And um, if any, we have a, a rating system in Australia, which is G, P, G, M, M, A. And M, A is like gore and swearing. And I remember at 12, I was allowed to get an MA 15 plus movie. So I just went straight to the horror section and I would get these just awful, gory, terribly made films. <laughs> and that was sort of when I f fell in love with, with movies was the process of having the uh, DVD and you know taking it out and putting it in the machine. And Is there a specific gory horror film that, t that captured your imagination? Probably the first one was probably Probably Evil Dead, I think, okay. I remember, because I thought, oh, I could, I could, I could make this, because I remember I could see the prosthetics and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I, like, oh, I think I could, I could do this, you know. None of it was performance-based. It was all how shocking could, the, could, could it be. You know? And I love your first experiences with DVDs as opposed to VHSs. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, did have, you know, don't get me wrong, I was born in 97, we had VHSs, we had, uh, we, uh, we had burnt movies under them. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that too. Patrick, how about, how about you? First moment movie. I remember we, it was right before Thanksgiving break uh, at school and in the cafeteria they were going to show Great Expectation, David Lean's Great Expectation. Mm. I was so happy to be out of class and I remember just being absorbed by that film and how beautifully it was shot, how dark and scary that film was. It is a beautiful film. Yeah, gorgeous film. film. Um, and I guess in... In turn, what was it that made you pursue a career in acting? Let's start with you, Patrick. Uh, it's, I ended up, I was in a, oddly enough, I was in a vaudeville troupe. I was juggling and doing slapstick and I was performing. And then I, I was invited to do a play. And then that's when I, I got the bug doing the play at this dinner theater. I turned 17 and I remember, gosh, this would be great if I could do this professionally. Yeah. And then, um, and then, things started to unfold. But I remember that moment distinctly. Did, did you have people telling you, no, you shouldn't do that because it's going to be so hard? Or was it, did you just kind of think, no, I'm just going to go? I, I, I come from a very small town in rural Maine where no one really breaks out of that. Mm. Uh, and um, 
people are like, you might do more dinner theater. You can do some performing with the, the vaudeville troupe, but probably won't make it. Um, but I, I ended up doing a, a little talent competition with the juggling comedy. And uh, an agent saw me and said, you should come to New York to do this talent competition. And I did that, raised enough money from the local neighborhood and from the town to fly down to New York. And I won and got an agent, and that's how it all started. Amazing. So, yeah, really. Yeah, it was just meant to be. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Jacob? What was your oh. moment that you decided to pursue acting as a career? I had uh, I was going to I was living in Melbourne in high school, and I read um, Beckett's Waiting for Goddard, and I obviously didn't understand it at all. Completely <laughs> absurd. Do you understand that now? No. No one does. But I remember feeling a certain way at school and. Uh, and for some reason reading that play something clicked something changed uh, and from that point it was just that was all I knew how to do and then I did a, a production I did Romeo and Juliet and I played Mercutio and that was the first time that I really f I felt like I had the audience on a string you know and I, I, f I felt like myself for the first time ever and, and you know, I felt so alive and, and from that from those two moments, it was kind of, uh, there wasn't really, I didn't, I didn't know how to do anything else. I, I, nothing else really brought me joy. I, I, nothing else interested me. And, um, and yeah, it's been pretty much, that was 15, 16, 17, I think. It's so interesting, that idea of feeling yourself for the first time playing another character. What do you think that's about? Do you feel, is there something in that for you too, Patrick? Do you, do you recognize that feeling? Mm, depends on the role. Sometimes you're just trying to connect to how you would relate to that to be as natural as possible. So it depends on the medium, I think. Mm. Uh, sometimes you get something that just clicks, you know, and it's magical. And then other things you struggle with and they work, but it's not quite the same. What, what would you say in that vein then has been, for both of you, the moment where the role has clicked? The one where you've thought, oh God, this is this is exactly where I'm meant to be at this moment. I fully align with this character. God, I don't know if I've ever felt that way. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I don't <laughs> I know if I, I've had that moment. I, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I feel like I'm constantly in doubt and trying to figure it out, trying to figure it out. And then even after it comes out and people maybe accept it and, and they like it, I'm still not quite sure if it's ever, there's always something that I'm like, ah, I didn't quite, I didn't quite feel that, I didn't quite get there, you know? Yeah, how do you, can you watch yourself objectively? No, yeah, not even very for hard. a second. And I'm, yeah, I wouldn't consider myself like a terribly vain person, but I immediately just start, oh, you, why does your left eye look like that? Why? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not, and I'm, I try apart. not to be that guy, but it's like, why did you do that with your fingers? You know, and that's <laughs> not helpful no. whatsoever. I, you I know? hear you on that. I'm, I can't critique myself. How about watching playback? Can you adjust where you can separate yourself and go, okay, here's what the frame is. This is what I need to do. Maybe how going down that rabbit yeah, hole of technically, yeah, in a way, in a film, from a filmmaking standpoint, I think I can look at it and go, okay, maybe if you stand here, if you drop your head, but even then I start to micromanage and then, you know, I'm not, maybe not quite in the moment as, as I'd like to be. Yeah. Can you watch yourself, Patrick? Um, I can when I'm watching playback. I can uh, adjust and self-direct and, and get a better understanding of what the director is going for, what the shot requires. When I watch something for the first time, it's very hard to be objective. Um, 
because you can't you, you're seeing all your insecurities and all those things that's where you're you're targeting so it's very hard so i don't really watch myself i don't enjoy that part of it yeah i enjoy the doing the doing is the most um the, the, that's when you have the control when you're when you're watching it there's so many other people that get their hands into the performance it's very hard yeah i, I imagine too like if you were to watch yourself that would be all your time you've, you've done so much work you know it's a, and it's this crazy thing of you spend you know a year making something or making things and then you'd have to spend the same amount of time watching it back you'd constantly be in this cycle of just watching you it would just be awful <laughs> you know you do it and then you rewatch yourself doing it it's like me 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 that me, sounds me, like me, a Beckett play <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. know Jimmy Stewart said he never watched any of his performances really yes that's what I found fascinating you'd kind of imagine he'd be someone who would because it's such a, a specific manner that he has that feels quite well, he developed had spit, you know he had that sort of stutter mm. and then he had his his sort of rhythm that was his and his alone but I, I was really surprised by that. And then uh, the more experience I had, the, the more I understood. I was like, oh, yeah, now I understand why he doesn't want to watch it. How do you guys feel about reviews? Uh, depends on the reviewer. I think if you have someone um, who gets it, it's good. And then sometimes it's a personal attack or, or not. But sometimes it can be very constructive. And I think it, it, you're like, yeah, you're, not, you're right. So I don't really read a lot of them anymore. Yeah. No, I think now there's... In inundation of just everybody's opinion all at once um, you know I don't think yeah I, I follow this thing recently that I heard and it might sound a little arrogant but uh, I was really bad at reading the internet for, for the start of my career which is now I guess and I was terrible I was reading everything and it right. was, it, it's never <laughs> going to be kind very rarely are they like wow that was wonderful You're, you know what I mean they pick it apart and um, Somebody said, uh, why would you concern yourself with the opinion of somebody who's not a professional uh, in the field? So now I've sort of made the circle smaller of if I respect the work that this person puts in, then I'll respect the opinion and, and take it on board. Otherwise, it's just too too much. And, uh, you know, you hold on to the negative, but you don't hang on to the positive. Mm. You know, that's the one that sort of it hits your insecurity if you're not careful. And that's a kind of universal truth, right? And it's just writ large for you guys because it's kind of on every platform and you can read it wherever you go online or on Instagram, whatever. Um, I, I, we interview a lot of, I interview a lot of sports people for this podcast and I find it really interesting because often they're people that operate on their own a little bit like actors do. I guess you're part of a team when you're in a play or but you're, you're in your own zone creating your character. Do you feel like the key to success is constant self-criticism because these sports people it's like they find that one moment like you were saying Jacob where it's like oh, I could have jumped that hurdle a little bit more cleanly or I could have taken that lap a little bit faster do you feel like being on yourself the whole time is the only way to achieve that or is being kind to yourself part of part of it too yeah, I, qu I quite enjoy being uh, highly critical of myself I think it uh, right now it it makes me demand a uh, a certain quality of work but that's it's kind of like my own meter and I have to I have this level in myself that I have to reach or surpass and I think that that to me keeps driven to the wrong word but it 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 keeps me interested in the work and and uh, I feel like if I'm asking people to watch to take the time out of their day to watch my work 
that I better give a, a certain level of truth or, you know, dedication and time to the stuff that I'm putting on the screen. Um, I'm not sure if that really answers the question, but for me, it's personal, you know. Um, how about you, Patrick? Yeah, I think it's a constant evolution where you're, you know what your strengths and your weaknesses are, and you try to improve each time you have a project to, to the, the, your weaknesses to go into that, working on that a little bit more and refining it. Um, and just really focusing on the process, I think, and, 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 and being more fully immersed into that. I think that helps. But other, everything else becomes too much of a distraction. I'd like to talk now a little bit about the first time you both started acting. So the first performance, if you will, that you kind of gave. Um, it could be the first one from school, the first one from drama school, the first one of your kind of professional career. Um, Jacob, let's start with you. What was your first acting performance? How old were you? Where was it set soon? I think I was, I think I might've been 12 or 13. And I was, I played the cat in the hat in Seussical the Musical. Um, which I think to this day stands as one of my better, one of my better performances. Really though, really, it was completely uninhibited and free. Uh, this teacher, I was a little bit rambunctious and um, she was like, you have to play the cat in Seussical. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> um, and then my mom kind of pushed me to do it and there was singing and dancing involved, which now I would curl into a small ball and oh, really? hide from, yeah, terrifying. Um, but I just was, part of it was like, okay, great. And um, I don't think I've ever felt freer performing than, than you know, that, that performance. So would you never do a kind of Ryan Gosling and La La Land it? Oh, I'd love to, I'd love right. to, but it would be, uh, it would be a massive challenge, like beyond anything that I can imagine. Um, can you describe how you felt before that performance and, you know, when you, with that first yeah. instance, how did you kind of psych yourself up for it? How did you get in the zone or did you just, was it very instinctive? You know, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous at all. Um, I had so much, maybe we'll call it pizzazz, um, <laughs> arrogance. I had so much arrogance at that age. Um, I was indestructible and um, I, was, I was so well rehearsed and so ready and so sure of myself. Um, that I really, I was really just, uh, I, I think I was, you know, in my head, I was smoking cigarettes, drinking whiskey in the room, getting ready for the performance. Like, ah, right, here we go again, another night, guys. And we, I think we did two performances, you know, but in my head, I was this great theater veteran, you know. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, do, you, do you make it sound as though, I don't, obviously you are not arrogant, you don't come across as arrogant at all, but it makes you, you make it sound as though you've kind of moved beyond that feeling. But surely doing what you do now in Hollywood, you have to have a certain level of self-belief to, to do it, to get up and get on those sets, to be on, on a set with Zendaya or whatever. There has to be a certain level, surely, yeah. still. Um, I think the more public that my work has gotten, more unsure of it I've become. But I think, yeah, I think it'd be remiss me to say there's not this uh, pit somewhere in my stomach that's deeply, deeply confident in the work that I do. Um, I, I think, you know, to, to stand in front of people and put yourself 
out there, you have to have some form of enormous ego somewhere. Um, but uh, it's much less present now. I think in my personality, I'm, I'm a much more worried person. But I think in my bones, I'm sure I must have some kind of confidence to keep uh, to keep showing up and thinking that uh, I'm the guy to to, to 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 you know to stand in front of a camera. Do you remember um, specifically how you felt after your performance in musicals? The musicals was there a electric? Really? Yeah, I could walk on water after that. I'm pretty sure I, I have, uh, in my head I'm just kicking the door to my house open and you know clicking at my mum to make me do. That. <laughs> I was on top of the Were you the kind of kid that performed a lot, like at family events and that kind of thing? Were yeah, you, right. Yeah, I was terribly obnoxious. Did you have like a routine or something? I used to, <laughs> I did, I used to, I used to pretend I was in a Jack the Ripper musical and I would walk around the house singing songs about uh, being Jack the Ripper and murdering people and getting away with it. I'm not sure why, but my mum has videos of it. <laughs> I reckon it might have something to do with the horror films you were watching. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you, Jacob. Um, Patrick, mm -hmm. your turn. What was your first formative performance would you say tell us a bit well about there were two i was trying to think i think it's funny you were doing the musical i yeah. I, I had i did this summer theater camp in northern maine we it was a an original production musical and i was playing the hook to a rabbit and i had to sing and dance and do all that and i just remember being part of the the group and it was a lot of fun i enjoyed the total immersion in the summer where you're just uh, waking up in the morning Dancing, singing, working on the the plays and musicals and things like that—that that was really fun. You, and that's where the bug really hit. I think. Are you into the kind of dancing and singing thing? Would you do? Not anymore. Music? No. I mean, I just finished up this musical, you know, *Disenchanted*, which is the sequel yeah. to *Enchanted*, and we spent months doing this musical number and dance number, and then they cut the movie together and they're like, "Okay, we're not going to use it now because <laughs> it doesn't advance the story." Oh, so it was fun to do. I really enjoyed the process. Loved working with the dancers, and it would be something I'd like to do in the future. On stage, I'm not sure I have uh, the chops to do it. That but takes it, yeah, oh, I, yeah, and I really so admire them talented. a lot more um, now after having that experience. But uh, I would like to in the future. I, the singing was really quite something. The vibration and the high you get from the singing, yeah, is really cool. I've heard. I, I don't sing, but I've heard that it, in terms of performance, it like unlocks this another form of expression you, you find yourself expressing things that you didn't even know you had inside you and you work with a singing coach and you hit these notes and the vibration and then the emotion comes through that and the process of the recording and working on the song was something i really enjoyed amazing much more than i expected because i'm not a singer yeah but i, I ended up you know with great support finding a voice and i really enjoyed that process do you remember the moment where you had kind of the worst stage fright you've ever had and if so what was it i don't think it ever goes away mm. i think it's always there you just learn how to manage it you know you start to develop a technique to to be aware of it and then to allow that to fuel you um i think it gets worse the older you get to be honest with you i think because there's more expectation which means you have to put more time in your preparation so that you can go in and be completely confident when you step on set and you can be private publicly mm. um and i think that gets increasingly harder the more people become aware of you uh, and then you want to push yourself. Uh, it's good when you feel that way because then you're working harder and you're also, once the camera is rolling, you're really present. Right. Which Jake, is the key. 
yeah. private publicly. I like that a lot. That's really interesting. How about you with the kind of stage fright thing? Have you, has there been a moment where it's been kind of so overwhelming you haven't been able to do it or? Um, yeah. I mean, it's all the time, like you said, and I think it's, it's, getting, it's getting worse um, because like you said, there's an expectation uh, of yourself and then of, of the performance. Um, the, the, to give a, like a, a memory, I, I was doing Midsummer Night's Dream and I was playing Oberon and this was, the, this, I learned a really strong lesson. Uh, I think I was, 17 um and i hadn't prepared and it was because it was sort of it was the first time in my life that i didn't prepare it was a summer and i think i wanted to go on a trip with a girlfriend or something um and i was not prepared and we ended up having to act so much of the dialogue and i was standing on the side of the stage and it was that moment of i have no idea what any of the words are <laughs> at all and it's that feeling i don't know if you don't if you've never had it it's you could really throw yourself off a building. Like I could vanish. Just take me away. Take my take. Make me disappear. I never want to see anything. I'll Walden. I'll go by a pond and I'll stay there and I'll never do anything. <laughs> uh, terrifying, terrifying. And then I think someone walked past and was literally just like, "Just forget about it. It'll be fine." And uh, and then it was my cue, and I moved onto the stage like a snake and. Remember the, remember the lines, they wow. came, which was lucky, but I genuinely thought at that moment, I didn't have them. And, and I really believe that was from lack of preparation. And from that day, I've ne my greatest fear, I go back to that moment of, is not knowing, not just my lines, but knowing what I'm trying to get across, knowing what I'm trying to say. Um, so I learned, a, I learned a pretty valuable lesson that day. Yeah. I have a great story of what happened to me. I, what, I, I was doing Brighton Beach Memoirs on the road. We were doing out-of-town tryouts. And I think we were in uh, somewhere um, Yale. You know, we were, we were, I was about to step on the stage, and Gene Sachs, who was the director, Neil, Neil was in the audience, and I, there's a moment where you have this monologue where Eugene is talking, uh, he's reading a letter. And I get out there and I, and I see the director in the audience, Gene Saxon, and I go up. And I have no idea what to say next. And thank God the actress on stage reads the letter. So I just slowly keep my blocking going and I move. And by the time I get to the other stage, it came back to me by, oh my goodness. Neil Simon, I go up with his beautiful lines and the director, and that was like my biggest, it's like, the actor's worst nightmare. Absolutely terrible. That was very early on in my career. Wow. So it's important to have those lessons early. Yeah, it gets back to preparation. But, but that happens. And then, uh, yeah, it's preparation. It's, it's, Especially live theater, it's really yeah, hard. Yeah, but I think preparation becomes life or death. It's like, to not be prepared to me is, that's like that, that dream where you go to school and you've got, you forgot your pants. Right. It's that feeling, you know, it's... But it's like the athletes, you know, you know, they, they keep practicing over and over again or you're at a driving range or whatever it is, seat time in a car. It's like the same for being an actor, you know. It's just you really have to commit to doing it so that you have that muscle memory so that it just instinctually will come through. Someone said this to me the other day, Olympians, you know, you train four years for one performance. And to me, it should be the same thing for a film or a play. It's like you're training every single day, every single moment of everything that you're taking in for that for that performance you know but it is it's muscle memory it gets in your blood and if you do it enough it's i think it's impossible to forget your lines it's impossible to forget what you're doing up there you know it becomes part of your dna
you're both at very different parts of your careers, different stages. You're very early on, Jacob and Patrick. You've achieved a lot. Uh, you, you've achieved a great deal. You're also a racing car <coughs> driver. Uh, you've done. You've written for stage and screen as well. You've no, directed, I haven't written, but it, did you I've directed some things, some short things. Yes. Um, I'd love to know what you both feel you want to accomplish moving forward. What's the next big goal? Jacob, I'll start with you. I want to drive cars. Well, there you go. Yeah, I mean, We're in the right place for that's that. That's like, that's like old Hollywood legend, you know what I mean? That these guys are driving cars, Steve McQueen, you know? It's just, it's, that's, that's exciting to me that you do that. That's so, that's so, so cool. Michael Fassbender drives cars, you know? It seems synonymous. Paul Newman. Daniel Paul Newman, you know? Dan Burning. Um, yeah. It's interesting with the... the Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> it's fun to be a part of that, you know, that, that group of, you know, and you see Michael coming along now, so it's, it, it's, it's funny. It's just, I, I think it has a lot to do with the teamwork and also how it cleans the mind. You don't think about anything. You're just really present. Um, and it's, it's a great meditation in many ways. Is it a thrill to you at all? Is there any mm. rush or is it just... There's a rush peace? before you get in the car. You know, it's the same thing like stepping on stage. Yeah. And also, too, if you're well-known, there are a lot of eyes on you, so you have to learn how to block that out. But it's the camaraderie and the fellowship and then how far you can push yourself. Um, you know, I think that's it's an internal battle right. with oneself. And then it's a real dance with your fellow competitors. Right. And you can never be perfect, right? No, you you're try always... to be. I mean, you're trying to find, you know, you, you just really, you're so present because you're feeling the car, what the grip level is, mm -hmm. situational awareness, all these things. And then the teamwork. And I think that's how, it's a great escape. I think that's why a lot of actors do it. And it just, it's a great sport, you know, it's exciting. It's beautiful and sexy. It's just cool. It's cool. I think it's cool. It's very cool. But when you get into it, you realize, you know, when they're racing at this level this week in Monaco, and, you know, to get to, to be a Formula One driver is phenomenal. These guys are in a world all to their own, you know, really inspiring. And usually good people, engineering backgrounds, really smart. Which character you would most like to play if you could choose any character from the world of film, theater, television, real life? Choose. Who would that These be? are the questions you, you, you get when you remember you get home at night and you're like, oh, I should. I know, I should. And then I'll be like, you know, because there's so and so <laughs> might have read that and then they might have been like, oh, you know what, he can really, yeah, he'd be great in that. <laughs> Gosh, and I don't think about it enough when I'm. Hmm. I think about it, but not when I'm on the spot. That's the problem. The character that I would like to play. Um, more of an archetype, I think. Archetype, think? yeah. I think uh, uh, Brick in uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Okay. Yeah. That's that, a good one. that kind of, those Tennessee Williams characters, mm. and the, the, I feel like I'm in a place now where there's a lot that I personally have to say, uh, being a young man in, the, in those characters, and I feel like there's something in paying your dues and playing those characters as well. You know, I don't know yet. I think, I think, I think darker characters for me right now. Um, because you get, you know, you get known for one type of character that you want to be able to challenge yourself and do something different. Mm -hmm. So getting away from sort of the romantic leads and something a little bit more, it's fun to play with the prosthetic makeup and kind of immerse yourself in a character like that. Okay. Um, I, I don't know. It's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll scream Think tonight. So, so we'll be, yeah. You're across from me yeah. in the room. We'll I'll be like, like, I got it! I got it! <laughs> <laughs> Shit! Yeah. Shit! Yeah. I don't want to listen to the interview yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to finish, before I let you go and enjoy all the wonders of Monaco, um, I'd love to know, what do you want to accomplish next? 
Patrick? I think producing for me and creating the right environment, taking what I've learned through motorsport and racing and that, that attitude, especially with Porsche, of like, okay, we have a mission, we have a goal, and we're going to work to get to that together with no ego. And I think that's what I'm looking to do now is, is produce fine material, subject matter that I'm passionate about, and then creating the right team and going off and doing that. Um, that that's really what I want to do now. Less want to just take a job for the sake of making money. It's like the creative process and putting the team together. Yeah. I have a question for you. So you've had incredible success on the show. How has that changed you? Um, dramatically, dramatically. It's, um, it's tricky for me. It's never, it was never, I've always said I wish I could make things in a bubble with a mask on and then have my life be separate. Um, the, the PR answers, I'm very grateful, and that is the truth. Uh, I am really grateful that people watch the work, uh, but I'm, I'm concerned about the effect that that may have on the work that I do in the future, being hyper-conscious of myself as an actor, as opposed to just, when I, when I made, first made Euphoria, I had not really made anything I was coming from the theater and no one knew who I was. So I had this blank canvas that I could just, I could be anything on the screen and make it believable. Um, so now I just worry a lot more, I think. Right. Well, you're great on the show. You're really you. a nice man, young man starting a career. And I think uh, you have a good future ahead of you. So enjoy the moment. I mean, yeah, I, I am that. And I then uh, that. take control of your own destiny. And you know, don't forget the stage, I think, too. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Jacob Elodie, Patrick Dempsey, thank you Bye. so much for joining me on The Edge in Monaco. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the weekend. Thank you. Thank you, you so well. much. A big thank you to Jacob Elodie and Patrick Dempsey for chatting with me and for giving us a bit of insight into your love for acting. And thank you for listening to this episode. If you've enjoyed it, don't forget to give it five stars and subscribe so you don't miss our upcoming episodes. I'm your host, Theo van den Bruecker, and you are listening to The Edge, a podcast by Tag Heuer.